0: everybody, this is Bill Knauer and you're listening to Author to Author where we talk about writing and life because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing. Yes, all kinds of articles in the craft and business of writing, but also the writing life, just what it takes to be a person and writing and the challenges, the emotional ecological. Yes, we're right about that too. Also, video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. There's a fascinating conversation up there now I just did with uh, Annabelle Abs, British novelist. Uh, her first book in the US is just out the Joyce Girl a historical novel. Wonderful book, interesting woman, came from a tech background, switched over to fiction. Good conversation. Check it out at authormagazine.org. We're also funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You know, you can learn all about these folks. Still doing good work, even though everybody's quarantined. No problem. Still doing it. Classes being offered. Conference going to be given. Writing contest. Yes, it's all still happening. And you can be a part of it by going to pnwa.org. As you can hear, my voice a little different. I don't know what's going on. Something tech, we had technical challenges, but we're still going just like, well, just like everything is still going. We're not going to let challenges, no, stand in our way. Of course not. So here we are. Uh, and oh, I'm glad they didn't stand in our way because we've got a good one today. David Class. David's the author of many young adult novels, including You Don't Know Me, Loser's Take All, and Grand Master, but he's also a Hollywood screenwriter, having written more than 25 action screenplays, including Kiss the Girl, starring Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd, Walking Tall, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and Desperate Measures, starring Michael Keaton and Andy Garcia. He studied at Yale University, a university where he won the Veach Award for Best Imaginative Writing. And he taught English in Japan and wrote his first novel, the, the Atami Dragons, about that experience. His most latest novel, an adult suspense novel called Out of Time. It's excellent. It's out there. And he... Is with us, David? How are you doing?
1: I'm well. I'm well. It's a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Well, let me see. The one thing I was going to ask you before what we started was, when did out of July seventh? Wait, today's July seventh. Today is, is July seventh.
1: It's publication day.
0: Well, congratulations. Well, I know thank you. I'm, this isn't the first time, but if I read correctly, is this your first adult novel, or is it just the first one I know about?
1: It's the first one you know about. It's actually, I think, my third adult novel, uh, but okay. the first one in a, in a long time.
0: Yeah. Like how
1: long? Um, probably about uh seventeen years.
0: Oh my God! The world has changed. It's a different landscape. Publishing has changed. Writing has changed. Everything's changed. Everything Interesting. Has okay, changed. but let's go back. Let's go back. Uh, as I understand it, um, you started. You were not like most of the writers I know, a young, voracious reader, were you?
1: I was not. I grew up in a family of voracious readers. Uh, My parents uh, read more than just about anyone I've ever met, and I have an older sister and a younger sister who were both bookworms. But uh, I was more uh, growing up in New Jersey, going to public high school. I was an athlete. I did read, but uh, I was sort of... uh, I think the most unlikely person you would want to meet to become a writer. Um, but uh, my parents loved books. My, my dad was an anthropologist, but uh, in his early days he wrote for and edited science fiction pulp magazines. Really? And yes, and my uh, my wow. mother, my mother loved writing more, than, I think, than anyone I've ever met. And she uh, published uh, nineteen novels in her life, and probably what? wrote sixty or seventy.
0: Holy smokes. And, wow.
1: And and, and the, my earliest memory, she, she worked during the day, so she would get up at about five every morning, and from five yeah. to six, she would write, and then she would make breakfast for the family, go off to work, eventually put us to bed, go up to the attic where she had a small office, and the last sounds I would hear at night before going to sleep, she would write for an hour from maybe wow. 1130, yeah, so... That that model wow. of somebody who worked that hard and who loved writing that much, I think that's how all three, uh, all three of us became writers.
0: So all three of you. So you and your two siblings are is, are. is that the three you're talking about?
1: That is the three. So my older sister is Perry Class. Perry is a doctor and a writer who has written uh, novels and a great deal of journalism, often having to do with women in medicine um Uh she for a long time wrote the pediatrics column for the new york times and we have yeah we've collaborated on a few things and my younger sister uh, judy class or judith class uh has written a star trek novel and uh (laughs) lives lives in nashville writes country music songs and a a number
0: of plays holy smokes what a creative now was it a was it a creative hive over there where i know you weren't you were slow to it but there must have been a lot of there must have been a lot happening in that household you know, they were... Kind, Ideas must have been flying.
1: They were flying, but they, I think my parents really, you know, they, they lived and breathed writing. They loved... My dad must have read a, a novel every uh, night or two of his life. Uh, he would take wow. out, go to the library, take out seven books, and in a week or two have read them all. And and growing up in that household, you know, I I gradually developed a, a love of reading and writing myself. And I, I will say this. They weren't snobs, particularly... Uh, my dad I don't think drew a distinction between literature and a good commercial novel. He felt that a story yeah. was a story and he, he passed that down to me and uh you know, that's something that I've tried to do both in Hollywood and in my young adult books. Uh sure, I want to write well, but I also want to tell a gripping story.
0: Yeah. Well it's a great that was a great gift he gave you because um you know, i I started in the genres in terms of my reading habits, um, but then discovered what is called literature and that was where I moved but I think we do I think we do a lot of harm drawing the kind of hard distinctions we do I think it can cause a lot of problems in the writing community that don't need to be there you know that it evolves from snob I think it's just kind of a snobbery and it can it can go on both It can go both directions too I've noticed
1: um, I, I couldn't agree more and 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 a lot of my favorite writers growing up uh, were good writers but they wrote in genre or they you know John yeah. le Carré I probably learned more about oh. writing from you know John le Carré than yeah. anyone and he was writing espionage novels but he was writing yeah. them beautifully
0: yeah and so yes yeah, so we i mean I I realize that uh, I I write about writing among other things being creative I should say and I, so I've done a lot of reflection on how I've learned to write cuz I really never studied it and, um, and, you know, formally. But I read like crazy, and I was a real student of it. And I remember reading T.S. Eliot and what a huge effect that had on me when I was 18, just in terms of kind of language and a bunch of other things. So can you remember – so what is it what you learned from him? Can you remember? Can you can, Do you remember, like, thinking – because you, you came to it as a teenager, it sounds like, more – you must have been more aware of what you were learning.
1: Uh, from Le Carre?
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, well, for one thing, the importance of character, and for me, novels are all about character. I can talk about the yeah. difference. I can talk about the difference from a craft standpoint of writing a novel and a screenplay, but from a very, when I first started writing novels right up till now, I, it, it just comes down to catching the voice of an interesting character and letting that character right. tell tell his or her story and trying to stay out of their way. And John Le-, right. John Le Carre, in a, in a book like *Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy*, created yeah. maybe twenty or thirty memorable characters. I haven't read the book in in fifteen or twenty years, but I can name them and I can remember them, and they wow. took life for me. And And so that's really what I learned. And. Uh, Rarely do you get to meet your heroes, and rarely do they turn out to be the way you would <laughs> hope they would. But I got to meet Jean Le Carre, no, and yeah, really? at 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 a friend's birthday party, uh, and uh, I had heard he might be there, and I had uh, an adult book, uh, uh, a thriller, had come out, and so I brought a copy inscribed to him. But wow. I was I was too shy and intimidated to bring it to the party so I left it in the in my car and I walked to this farm farmhouse where the party was. And there was a great man uh and he's hilarious and he was telling jokes in five languages and doing Clint Eastwood <laughs> imitations and and and, wow. and I was introduced to him as a writer, you know, and he said, "Uh what have you written? I'd, I'd like to read one of your books." And I said, what? "Well, as a matter of fact, I I had one come out." And he said, "Well, Tell me the title. I'll try to buy it. And then he looked at me and he said, "Unless by any chance you brought me a copy." <laughs> and 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 I said, "You know, sir, I did." And I inscribed it to you, but I was too shy to bring it in, and I left it out of my car. And he said, "Well, then I think the only thing for us to do is to leave the party and go get it."
0: Wow. And
1: and I said, Whoa. "Yeah." And I said, "Mr. LeCarre, I'm going to be honest with you. I probably parked a mile away in in farm country." Yeah. And he and he said, "Well, if if you." Uh, Went to all the trouble of bringing me a book. Don't you think we should go get it? So Whoa. we left the party and spent about 20, 30 minutes walking through, and I, I still remember. What a magnificently generous That's,
0: act. What a, what a nice guy. What yeah. a nice guy. Absolutely. Unless, 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 David, you are such a nice guy that you just bring <laughs> this out in people,
1: that you are just
0: so disarming maybe. It could go well. either way.
1: I don't know, but it was, it was it's nice when your heroes turn out to be so nice and generous. Um but Yeah, that, no that's, kidding.
0: God, that's like meeting Tolkien or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's really in the world of suspense and espionage. He's kind he, of it. I think
1: I think he is, and along with Graham yeah. Greene, I mean, I think yeah. it's oh. about as good as it gets. Um but Graham it would too yeah. um so, that, yeah, that was, you know, I, I you talk about studying writing, and I, I did when I got to Yale. I was lucky enough to study with some famous writers, you know, and I can talk about that. But I would say 90% of it is what I learned from my parents. And the biggest yeah. lesson of all, for me at least, was was discipline, just growing up with a mother who loved to write that much, who wrote every morning and right. every night, and never, you know, never suffered from writer's block. Cause she just didn't believe in it and, right. you know, just just loved the act of writing, and I think that you know I think I, th- that was a very valuable lesson,
0: well, yeah, it kind of puts something in your head that it 's something you can do because you know I would say ninety five percent of the writers I interview never knew a writer you know they didn't, they met one in college when they their professor probably or they went to it, but they didn 't know a writer you know they just most writers don 't they just they come out of parents who do other stuff or families who do other communities that just don 't do it, so it 's a rare thing. And but just to see what just to be just to see that it's a normal thing to do. It's not, <laughs> not you know, there aren't that many, not really that many of us, but to, I must have been so helpful just to not see this some great foreign weird thing, but just another thing you can do.
1: I think that's true, and I also think people are intimidated by novels because they're so long, but growing up with somebody that, you know, had probably written 60 or 70 of them and published 19 of them, it just sort of felt like, I think my mom believed everyone should be writing a novel at all times, and it kind of rubbed off.
0: (laughs) That is good. So you went to, did you go to Yale to study creative writing, or was it just, I'm going to Yale, and I also I like not. to write? I did not. I was pre-med, but uh,
1: I volunteered oh. in the local hospital, and I decided I wouldn't want myself for a doctor. So ah. uh, so I, I switched over to history. But at the time, Yale had some wonderful writers teaching writing. Uh, uh, John Hersey, the author of Hiroshima, um, wow. was there and uh I was lucky enough to get into his class. I was so uh intimidated uh having read his book that uh you know, I, I don't think I said much but uh um but but and he you know, he, he talked about kind of the integrity of being a writer and, 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 and how you kinda of have a duty to write honestly about things that you care about. He was the only writing teacher I ever had who I think stressed that and I thought it was fascinating.
0: The integrity of being a writer. I like that. It's really true. You know, I don't you think, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you write suspense or you're writing inspirational stuff or literary, whatever it is, but I do think, who was it? Michael Gruber, the, the Seattle suspense writer who I interviewed, he said it, it was the first person I heard say, like, you've got to make some decisions about what you think love is and what you think success is. And what, like, you kind of have to make some conclusions and, and be willing to stick to it and let them guide your stories in some way. Does that make sense? That
1: absolutely makes sense, and especially because for literally 15 years, I think I wrote exclusively when I was writing novels in the young adult space. And I right. was, of course, uh, I'd like to think a lot of, you know, uh, young women read my books, but the truth is a lot of them were about sports or had sports themes, and a lot of them were were read by young, young by guys, teenage guys. Yeah. And I got thousands of letters, you know, which, which I absolutely felt so honored that said that it was the first book that they'd read outside of school and, and wow. you know, finished. Yeah, and and I do think that there's an element of you're your teaching life lessons, and so yep. you, you better try to, you know, you better try to create some good characters. Sure, they're struggling with hard issues, but... Um, yep. I, I, I was very conscious of that. And I will say this about the world of young adult books. You know, I've worked in Hollywood and I've worked in other areas, but never have I been around such nice people as the people who inhabit oh, really? the world of young adult books. Yeah, and the librarians, uh, the high school librarians, junior high school librarians who go to the conventions and who care so much about these books, uh, often underpaid, unsung, They they are really the heroes.
0: Wow. Well, you know... One of the things I noticed when I went about people who write for young people um, is you, you don't give yourself the luxury of nihilism, I've noticed. <laughs> like you can't – you really – like what adults will tell each other? is awful compared to what we'll tell children, well, I mean, for the most part, except for the really (laughs) sadistic parents. But, you know, in general, we don't want to fill young people's heads with the kind of crap we fill our heads with sometimes. And I do think it brings – sometimes can bring out the best – just like being a parent can bring out the best in you. Yeah?
1: I I think that's true, although I will say, and I don't pretend to completely follow – what's happening in young adult books, but within
0: the last 10 or 15 years, there's been sort of a, yeah. you know, a trend
1: towards uh, dystopias, toward books that are edgy, right. toward books that sort right. of cover ground that had been forbidden in that world for a long time, right. for better or for worse. I'm not judging right. it, but I have definitely seen that trend.
0: Well, it makes sense. It makes sense. So, yeah. So uh, was it, so was your first experiences, so, so The Atomic Dragons is your first novel, it, and you published that novel?
1: That's that's right. My older sister, uh, Perry, had won 17 magazines.
0: Uh, they had a national
1: short story writing contest, and she uh-huh. won, I think, third prize, and then remarkably, the next year, she won second prize.
0: Wow. And we had quite wow. a
1: sibling sibling rivalry going. So uh, I, I started writing short stories, and when I was 18, I think I was the first boy to ever win the contest. So that wow. was my that was my first published story. And then at Yale, I, I studied short stories and poetry. But I, I, after a horrible year after graduating in Washington, D.C., I had wanted to be a writer, but I really i tried a few novels, and I really had nothing to write about. I was working as yeah. a law clerk, making minimum wage, and it was just a... Terribly tedious year. Uh, I, I I applied for jobs all over the world just to have an adventure. And someone told me about a job in Japan. The Japanese, Japan was the richest country in the world at the time. We're talking the early eighties.
0: Yeah. The Japanese,
1: yeah. the Japanese government was hiring eight hundred Americans a year, who didn't speak wow. Japanese, bringing them over to Japan, training them for a week or two, and then dealing them out to high schools and offices all over Japan to teach English wow. conversation. And I applied. Wow. I knew nothing about Japan, didn't speak Japanese. I applied and got the job and got sent to a absolutely beautiful sort of seaside resort city called Atami. And my life just changed from, from having a tedious job that was almost Dickensian. Uh, right. making minimum wage to all of a sudden right. being a respected sensei and coaching the baseball team in this wow. Japanese high school. Yeah, and I just love it all of, and, 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 and 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 so I wrote my first novel uh about I think a lot of first novels are very autobiographical, and yeah. mine certainly yeah. was. I wrote about a boy from New Jersey who plays baseball. His mom dies, and the father brings the family to Japan to heal, and he's a baseball player in New Jersey, terribly alone in Japan, until he hooks up with a Japanese baseball team. Wow. And I, wow. I wrote and how old it, were you? I wrote it at I think 24, and I wrote it wow. in about Whoa. three magical months. I would get up every yeah. morning at about like my mom get up every morning at about five and write it from five to six before I get ready to school for school. Yeah. And I finished it, and I'd been reading. I didn't have an agent or you know anything like that in yeah. no contacts. But I'd been reading a lot of Hemingway and Fitzgerald, and I knew that their publisher was Scribner's. So I, I had the origami – we had we had a tea lady in our high school who was very good at origami, and I had her wrap it up in this remarkable package, and I mailed it off to Scribner's with a little note saying, I know this is really strange, but here's my first book. And uh, three weeks later, I got a, a letter from them that they were buying it, so that's how it started. No way. Yeah. Oh, my
0: God. So that's that's... you know in the 80s though you I mean the 80s is that's prime time you would have needed normally you would have needed an agent but look at that. What
1: chutzpah? What chutzpah? Yeah, you... it worked out. It worked out. But if if, you, if I can just finish the story, because it's kind of interesting, sure. I was going to go to law school, and uh, at the end of two years, I had learned to speak some Japanese and had a wonderful time, but it was time to come home. I was all set to go to law school, and on the night that I turned 25, the uh, teachers from my high school took me out for a surprise birthday party, which meant getting me really drunk. Right. And I, I staggered up the hill to my apartment, and the phone was ringing, and I picked it up, and... Uh, a voice asked in English if it was David Class, and I said yes. And she said, well, this is Hollywood calling. We're optioning your book, The Atami Dragons. Oh, and the Yeah, and the producer who runs our company happens to be flying through Asia, and he'd like to see your town because oh, we might shoot I, the movie there. God. So would you go meet him at Narita Airport and translate for him? And I, I knew nothing about Hollywood. I was so naive. But I went and I met him, and I spent a week with him. I took him to my town. And, of course, that movie was never made. But at the right. end of that at the end of that week, he said to me, we've gotten to be friends. And he said, David, what are you doing next? And I said, law school. And he said, no, don't do that. He said, come to Hollywood, and you can be a screenwriter. And I thought, well, it worked out so well coming to Japan. Why not step into the oh, unknown again? Oh, my God. So that's how I the... ended up in Hollywood, yeah.
0: You're like Forrest Gump. It just it well, that, that's great. I love hearing stories. I've heard lots of stories of suffering and rejection. It's good to hear one where none of that happens, at least well, not early don't, on. Don't ask Please me about, about my
1: first don't ask me about my first seven years in Hollywood. <laughs> oh Oh. All right.
0: So you go out there. Are you writing novels while you're in, in Hollywood trying to do the screenplay thing?
1: I was, and that kept me sane, because I had absolutely—I yeah. was the worst person in the world at breaking into Hollywood. I would go to a party oh. and talk to the least important person in the room.
0: Uh, oh, I'm I yeah. just bad
1: at schmoozing. It's not who I yeah. am. And, and for yeah. seven years, I really starved and uh, uh, had absolutely no success in Hollywood. And the thing that kept me going, although I lived in... You know, real poverty, but the thing that kept me going was I was able to publish three or four more young adult novels that's and great. hold them in my hand and say to myself, well, you're a writer, you know, and right. people are reading this. You're getting letters from kids who are reading this, and that that really made a difference.
0: Right, right. Well, it's, you know, that's the thing about publishing, which is quite nice, is you don't – I mean, if you can schmooze, great. But you really don't have to. You just don't have to do it. It's a totally different my I have friends and my brother's down in Hollywood, a friend of mine's a screenwriter down there and it's just such a different business. It's such a it's just so different in terms of what needs well, you know, in terms of what needs to happen for something to get made. And then just the amount of personal stuff in the pitching and all that. So different. And yes, yes, fiction so. writing just write the book,
1: essentially. I couldn't agree for with you more. It's an incredibly different business and, uh, you know, one that uh, I really had to learn because I thought that screenplays were similar to novels and, you know, yeah. they're not at all.
0: No, it, took, no. it,
1: took, it took seven or eight years to really
0: start to learn that. You know, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about Out of Time because I thought that, so it's a, an interesting premise in that it's a, it's a suspense uh, a novel, but you've got a I think it's a really interesting premise, actually, because given the time, um, I, I don't want to describe it. Why don't you do it? Because you probably do a better job than I do. You probably had to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, not. I'll, I
1: don't know. I will I'll try. I can tell you sort of how I came up with it. Uh, but basically, uh, there's a, a uh eco terrorist, nicknamed by the press, uh, Green Man, who right. is uh, on a mission. He is... Uh, He's struck six times. Uh, when the book starts, he's, he strikes for the sixth time and blows up a dam. And he's choosing targets that uh, call attention to different things that are harming the environment. Uh, right. Because he thinks that the Earth, is, because of climate change, is, uh, almost reach a, almost, has almost reached a point where it you know, can, cannot be saved. And that uh, he's right. trying desperately to call attention to these things. And he's actually moving the needle in a right. in a very charged sort of political climate. Uh, and the entire book, is it starts with his sixth attack on the dam, and then it builds to his seventh attack, and he's going to attack one more time, a very big attack, I won't say what he's going to do, right. and then he's going to stop, because he has a family who he loves, and he knows that there's a manhunt for him that's the largest manhunt in FBI history, larger than the manhunt for the Unabomber. He knows that eventually he'll make a mistake, and they're getting closer, and he wants just stop and go away and hide with his family nice. and tracking him down and and I had green man at the beginning the night I sat down to write the novel I sort of had that I could talk about where right. it came from but I that was uh, something that I had and the first night without really knowing where the book was going I sat down and wrote the chapter where he blows up the dam and I had his voice and I knew who he was but in order to write the novel I needed a second character and I didn't have that and that kind of came to me uh and it's the character of Tom, a young yeah. nerdy FBI agent who's absolutely brilliant and intuitive. Uh and he's hunting Green Man down brilliantly with the obstacle that he also sort of is an environmentalist and he's right. coming he's coming a... to coming to believe that Green Man may actually be right, right. and if he catches right. this guy which he's sworn to do, uh, somebody who's killing innocent people, he may actually deprive the earth of its last chance.
0: That was what I thought was so compelling about it. I mean, it's, it's a well-told story, I, I should say. I mean, it just dro- dro- dragged me in right away. But the the um, antagonist is, is, do- is killing innocent people, but he is doing a mission that a lot of people reading this book are probably uh, – ostensibly in favor of in terms of his politics and i thought that made it a very a unique Unique suspense story. I got to say so. Well oh, done. Oh, thank you so well much. Done.
1: Well, I th- I was very morally conflicted about Green Man or what he was doing because sure. I don't believe in terrorism and I certainly don't no. believe in hurting innocent people and women right. and children. There's nothing that excuses that. And yet, right. the the reason I I mean the 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 immediate reason I decided to write this book was that my teenage daughter dragged me to a climate change rally at the UN.
0: Oh, and wow.
1: And yeah, Greta Thunberg was there, and they were giving oh, speeches, oh, wow. and, and wow. their message delivered passionately was, you have betrayed us, you are bequeathing to us a, a damaged and possibly doomed earth. And and right. I kind of agree with that. So, you know, right. if there's a way to save it, don't we have to take it? And so I, right. I was very, very morally conflicted in, in writing the book and in writing about what Green Man is doing, and that, that may be some of that. You know, charge that 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 conflict actually adds to the book.
0: I think it adds it to it because sometimes the things that suspense novels can suffer from is the, a little too much black and whiteness. It can get a little too easy to to hate the bad guy and you know want ill to come to him. And this created enough ambiguity to create a conflict within me, even though I didn't want him to hurt anybody. But I felt you know I understood his, his well his his reasoning made. A sense in one way. And so I thought it was very, very I want, clever is not the right word, but I thought it, it was, it, you stumbled on something that really worked. So well done, David.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. It's very kind of you to say that. And that's what I was trying to do. And both the well, uh, both Greenman and the FBI agent in some way are, I think, partly reflections of either who I am or who I would like to be.
0: Right. Well, that's often the case with fiction, I find. I tell my students, all memoir is fiction, and all fiction is, to some degree, memoir, I think. A little bit. A little oh, bit. I love that. Yeah. Well, I think it's true. I think it's true. It's been my experience, anyway. All right. Well, so it's out. It's come out today, and I assume you're just – I don't know. Are you going to do anything virtually besides stuff like this? Are you going to try and do some, like, bookstore, virtual Zoom bookstore stuff?
1: There are some plans, but uh, no, nothing definite yet. But there there are some plans, and one big one in particular. But, you know uh, – oh, okay. um, there i think there was going to be a lot of publicity and with my usual good timing i wrote my best book when <laughs> there was a pandemic going right on. um i can't feel sorry for myself a lot of people are giving up and giving up far more than i am and you know jobs yeah. careers lives of loved yeah. ones so we will just press on um but but yeah there is there is some stuff planned and um the book has had this book has been a dream so far it it's sold to maybe 8 or 9 foreign countries wonderful publishers Great. and Great. most exciting you know most excitingly it it's sold to uh, Netflix which is now they're now developing oh. it as a movie.
0: You know what it's so funny because I watched the Unabomber thing on Netflix. Did you, I don't know if it was on Netflix. Did you see that mini series about the it, Unabomber? It it, it, it it was on Netflix and I did see some of it. Yes. I thought it was very good. Uh, and I got kind of hooked. I don't know. And I, and as I was reading, I thought, man, this would make a good Netflix thing. So you see, I, you were I right. Should, I, I was right. That's well, congratulations. I would love to see. I hope they hope it actually happens. Well, thank
1: you. Uh, unlike the Unabomber, they're developing it as a as a feature, as a big feature movie. Well, um, that is
0: so cool. Congratulations. So, Are you well, going to write thank it?
1: You. I'm sorry, yes. I, I, I've always said that my dream as a writer was to be able to write a novel and adapt it into a screenplay, and I'm getting, finally getting the chance. So if I screw it up, I have no one to
0: blame but myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to it. I look forward to seeing it, and oh, well, uh, that's, thank you so that's much. fabulous. Well deserved. Okay, well, listen, I'm almost through with you, but not quite yet. Uh, uh, well, first of all, if people want to learn about you, where's the best place to Is it, is it davidclastock? Do you have a, just a basic website?
1: Uh, I am a bit of a Luddite And I, I oh, do not no. But there's a lot on me uh, Both through my uh, agent, Aaron Priest uh, And I should Oh, Aaron I, Priest, okay I, Yeah, wonderful He's been my agent for 30 years and, Wow, okay uh, am, I, am I allowed to tell a very, very brief story about Aaron? Sure, go ahead Well, you know, my my mom got up to 19 books And when I reached right. 19 books I was going to stop to honor her memory and uh, So All I right. I, didn't, I didn't write another book for five years and about a little more than a year ago, Aaron was in town. He's a wonderful agent and he took me to lunch and he said, "When are you going to write me another book?" And I said, "You know, Aaron, uh, I got up to 19 and my mom, you know, passed away having written 19 right. and to honor her memory, I think I'm going to stop." And Aaron uh, said, "I knew your mother. She would have wanted you to write 20." So <laughs> Literally that night I went home and began this book, so I do hope oh, a lot a of it. Oh, that's a
0: great yeah. story. She is looking down on you, David. She is so happy you wrote this because she sorry. would have written – she would have done 20 if she could have. Uh,
1: you know what? I think Aaron was right about that one. Um,
0: so Absolutely. You,
1: yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. Your question was about
0: – Okay, well, here's my real question. Here's my. If they want to find you, they can find you. But here's my real y- question. Yes. I want you to finish this sentence for me if writing has taught you anything it's taught you what
1: uh, to tell the truth uh yeah. and yeah uh and 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 the strange thing for me about writing if i can articulate this is is unlike screenwriting which is you know the uh, for me, about structured conflict, and I write from outlines, and I know, yeah. uh, especially if you're writing for the studios, and I've written 40, I think action movies for the studios, so I've done that a lot, and they want to know beat by beat what's going to happen,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. Be-
1: before they pay you, you know, to to do it. But but yep. when when I write a novel, and the better the novel is, you know, the more this is true, I don't know what's going to happen. I just. Yeah. I just latch onto a character, and I let that character tell the story. And maybe there's something that I want to say, but I don't try to impose myself on that character. And it's it, the word, I guess, is magical. It's just yeah. you know, and 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 boy, do I love that. Uh, yeah. And, and and frequently, in my best novels, like You Don't Know Me or maybe this one, I didn't know where they were going. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. And yet, I, I just sort of followed, and if I tried to impose myself, it was
0: almost like the character would say to me, David, get out of the way. Yeah, that's right. That's when you know, that's why I tell my students, if the characters are telling you to shut up and get out of the way, you're doing it right. That means that you've got a real character there. I could well not done. agree with you more. I could not agree with you more, yes. Yeah. Well, that is fantastic. David, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. You're a great guy, and, and, and uh, you've written a great book, and... uh I wish you all the luck with it. I'm um, sure it will do Bill, just fine. Uh, th-
1: th- thank you so much, and uh, what an honor you know, to talk to you, and you know, you're, you're, you're so wise about writing. And uh, um, this, this book, Out of Time, is dear to my heart. Thank you so much on the day of publication for giving oh. me a
0: chance to talk about it. Oh. My pleasure, David. My pleasure. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes, people, tell the truth. Tell the truth. It's, you know, it's enough. It's enough. I had to learn that myself. The truth is enough. Don't have to go more than that. Okay, well, listen, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for putting up with my scratchy telephone voice. Hopefully next week I'll be back with my melodious microphone voice. Until then, thank you to my producer, R.J. Jeffries. And go out there, you all, and find something you love to do and do it.